a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. And this week on the Pizza Planner Show, we... We complete the year 2018. If you're listening on the radio, it's the last show of the year. If you listen on the podcast, I think it's actually the first show of the year. I don't know how these things work. It's just time is a vacuum. I don't know if that's true. Uh, we're going to answer your money questions. We're going to talk about really my least favorite thing about year-end and the holiday season. That's the first question. After that, we're going to talk about a woman who's interviewed two financial advisors and is befuddled that they are telling her two completely different things. So we'll talk about that. Segment three is a potpourri. And segment four, of course, biggest waste of money of the week, as always, well, for this year. Uh, Nicole, uh, producer Frank, joins me now. Hello. Hi. Nicole, your last show. It is my last show. We will say more about that uh, later. But first, it is job loss season. I'm sorry. It is. One of my least favorite part about the timing of the holidays is it also happens to be at the end of a lot of people's fiscal year, which is also the calendar year. For many, uh, which means that budgets are being reconsidered. Jobs are being eliminated. I'm not making light of it. In fact, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And before we go into some tips on how to deal with that, um, I'm frankly, I'm just going to give you my email address. If you are going through a job loss right now and you don't know what to do and you were distraught, or if you're not distraught, you can email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's ask. Pete at PeteThePlanner.com, and we will figure out something for you. We will help you put together a plan. It doesn't cost you anything. I'm not selling you anything. I'm just, it's my holiday gift to you because losing your job around the holidays is not fun, and it happens all the time. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. You will get an autoresponder to that email, but we will soon reply after that. But for those that don't want to do that, let's go through a pretty good <laughs> I didn't say it was excellent, Nicole. At least I'm hedging here. I said it's pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say, at least you're honest. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's decent. <laughs> you're hedging. <laughs> yeah. So this is an okay list of things to do when you find out that your job has been eliminated. Number one, immediately take inventory of your benefits. Okay, so for some people, like health insurance is the first thing on their mind. They're like, oh, I don't have any health insurance. We'll get to that. I mean, in many cases, um, you, you will not only have coverage through your employer, but I, I should say in many cases, you will have access to COBRA, which is that you can continue your benefits uh, for a little while, 18 months, I believe, but now I'm just making stuff up, but I think it's 18 <laughs> months. Um, so you want to take inventory of your benefits. This includes life insurance, dental insurance, legal services. I mean, the truth be told, what we actually do here at office is we are an employee benefit. It's called your money line, and it helps people who uh, have financial questions. So some employers offer that so people can call or email and talk to our staff and get problems solved uh, at no cost. And so that's one of those services that you would hypothetically lose if you lose your job. Fortunately, the way we do it, if people lose their job and they need help, they can still call us and we'll be glad to help them. But losing your life insurance, losing your health insurance, losing the ability to save for retirement, they, uh, most of those things are at the back of your mind other than health insurance, but they need to come to your front of your mind because you need to know how to continue these things. And I say that because some people, their only life insurance is through their employer, whether it's because 
they don't have sort of the quality of health that it takes to get insurance, life insurance on their own, or they just let their group benefits satisfy that particular need. And that's an issue. And, and we're not salting wounds. I don't want to get macabre, but I can just tell you this. If you lose your job and you lose your life insurance, and then by chance you lose your life and you've still got a family to support. I know. I know, Nicole. I'm, hey, look. I know. I mean, I can't not say it. I know. It's happened. So you need to make sure that you're covered because, yes, it's bad when you lose your job, but it's also bad if your family loses you and the financial impact that can have, let's move off of that. Yeah. Number two, this one's a little more fun. And in fact, I had a friend lose their job. Maybe this is what spurred all this to me, Nicole. I just never occurred to me until just this moment. I've really been hot on the topic on social media here recently. What do you do if you lose your job? Yeah. And it occurred to me, I believe it was last Monday, maybe um, a friend lost his job and he emailed me Tuesday morning. And this is the next point. Create a list of people to talk to. You know, um, people that you used to work with, people you used to work against, not at work, but like your, your competitors, your, your network of, of professional people, just to let them know of openings or the, the opening in your life, I should say. I met with my friend on Tuesday after he lost his job or he emailed me Tuesday when we, we got together. Um, that next morning, I was able to connect him via email two of my friends that potentially could help lead him to employment. And by the way, if you have a friend that's recently lost their job, please, for the love of God, help the person find reemployment. We are in a uh, period of great employment, very low unemployment rate. However, something's happening. You can kind of feel it. You can kind of feel it. The economy's starting to tighten a little bit. Yeah, market's getting beat up. So this is to say some small to mid-sized businesses that were thinking about doing some expansion plans and hiring, they may think twice about doing it, which in turn could conceivably change the job market. And if this period of uncertainty continues, well, that's going to go into big business as well. So make sure if you can help connect a friend to a new gig, you do so. Tip number three on my list of things to do if you happen to lose your job at the end of the year. Oh, sorry. I know... I know the big holiday, big Christmas is just around the corner, but uh, this is the topic today, so get over it. Uh, (laughs) Number three, don't ignore your money problems. Like people can be, their feelings can be so justifiably hurt when they lose their job. It is a traumatic experience. And you think, I just got to take care of where I'm at mentally right now, which is true, but don't ignore your money problems. As stressed out as it will make you, You need to make a list. We talked about it last week on the show, a worry list of what needs to get done. Don't ignore your debts. Don't ignore your expenses. Don't let bills go into collection. Do not ignore your money problems. Now, the weird thing about that, of course, is a job loss will create a tremendous number of money problems, but we are so caught up with trying to deal with the the mental fatigue of losing your job that you, you somehow ignore the money problems. Number four. Use your emergency fund wisely. Let's say you have an emergency fund, please. Let's say you have an emergency fund. and Or let's say you get some uh, uh, severance, as they call it, a little severance package. I've seen so many people do uh, the less than ideal thing with that cash, that very valuable cash that can save you a lot of times. I'll see people like, well, I'm just going to pay off my car. That way I don't have a car payment. But then they just blew through like $5,000 they could have used for other stuff. People do some weird Stuff. I've seen people buy a car outright 
no. with the severance. That way I've got a car. And, and they'll justify it with really, really sort of strange things. Um, and by the way, the other part of this too is you need to do the best you can to cut otherwise ordinary expenses. Cut back on your dining out. I know this all sounds pretty obvious, but a lot of times people don't do it because they're so stressed. Number five. Finally, number five. And then we'll talk about a couple other things before we hit the break. Don't borrow money. Don't do it. Don't rack up credit card debt. Don't borrow from your 401k or liquidate your retirement plan at work. Don't borrow money. Find, just like in your mind, make that uh, you won't do it. Your standard is I'm not going to borrow. And so every other option is on the table other than, you know, robbery and things. Uh, But you are not going to borrow money. One last thing, you need three additional sort of life skills as you're trying to get through this situation. And I say this because I've dealt with this a tremendous number of times, not personally, but I've been the person on the other side trying to help someone through this. Your problem solving skills have to be on point. You have to understand what the problem is and what solves the problem. So that's number one. Number two, uh, you may have the least amount of confidences you've ever had in yourself and your abilities in your life during this period because it's so devastating, but you need to increase and build that confidence and stay confident because if you don't, if you get into an interview situation in which you have no confidence, you will not get that job compared to the person with the confidence. I know that seems like a pep talk. It's just true. And finally, humility. Look, you may have loved the job you lost, thus losing it may have caused you great disappointment, but Humility in this situation can be warranted. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about uh, more of your money questions. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. Question the right of any man to voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in, camouflaged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Back on the Pizza Planner Show. I'm Pizza Planner. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Um, hope you're doing well. Last show of the year. Uh, if you want to ask us a financial question, email me, askpete at petetheplanner.com, askpete at petetheplanner.com. I will do my best to answer the question on the show. Or I might just write about it in my newspaper column. That's right. I'm in really cutting-edge media like newspapers and radio. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This question is from a lady named Tara. I assume it's from a lady named Tara. I mean, she signed her name Tara, and her email address included the words... Tara, dear Pete, my husband and I recently interviewed two different financial advisors in an attempt to find one who could help our growing family make better investment decisions. I expected to like one more than the other and have that uh, and have that guide our decision, but we never got to that point. Both advisors gave us such different investment strategies that we left their offices simply wondering how the strategies could be so vastly different. How does a financial advisor decide what's the best path for a family? The two paths presented to us were so different. I can't imagine they would both get us to the place we want to go. Tara, that's interesting, isn't it, Frank? Yeah. So you go in, you think you're going to talk to a financial advisor, like, I'm going to see who I vibe with the most, right? I mean, that's that's usually the... I've actually said that, I think, on the air. It's like, go see who you vibe with the most. But this person, Tara, as we'll call her, she went in and... 
she heard two totally different things and she she couldn't even get to the personality because she was like, wait a second. These are two completely different things. What a horrible thing. Did I be like, do you be able to get past that? Right. I, I, I totally empathize with her. Right. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. Can I tell you a story? Please. By the way, I also wrote about this question in my column this week. <laughs> um, I was 22 once, Nicole. You were? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like I, I've been 40-something yeah. for a long time. It's true. But in the year 2000, I was 22. Wow. Don't do the math. I'm not. The year uh, 2000, I was 22 years old, and I had just started as a financial advisor. And I remember sitting in a training session in our offices as they train young financial advisors on like how to be a financial advisor. And, and I remember something, remember something to the fact of the trainer saying, okay, if someone needs an IRA, an individual retirement account, yeah. this is the product, this is the process we use to accomplish that for them. Okay, so in this moment, Nicole, what I've shared with you so far is uh, I had learned a process, mm-hmm. okay? Yes. That made sense to me. Because I didn't know how to do it, and they showed me how to do it. Okay, so for six months, I continued with what they taught me as the process of setting up an IRA. Are we good so far? Yes, I'm okay. with you. Because I don't know if I've over- overthought this. I need you just you pipe up if uh, we got an issue. I will. But then I realized about six months in that I didn't have to do it that particular way. That's just the way they wanted us to do it because they were trying to sell a specific thing. Oh my gosh. No, that's not necessarily bad. It's just, I didn't know that, right? I mean, think about being so new to an industry that you're told to do something. and, and, And I just thought it was the only way to do it. So not only in that time did I figure out, oh, you can actually do it a different way here than what they told us. But then I realized the way I really wanted to do it something that is available in the industry was not available to me Yes. because our company didn't do it that way. Okay. So that's an issue. So there's three things that can be gleaned from, from this example. Number one, a well-meaning advisor, like I was at the time, (laughs) uh, can unknowingly provide objectively subpar advice because they simply aren't experienced enough. Like I just didn't know what I didn't know, I was doing my best, but I didn't know I could do something else. You didn't know what you didn't know? What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Number two, equally as bad a problem, a well-meaning advisor, like I was at the time, can unknowingly provide objectively subpar advice because their firm doesn't provide them access to investments or financial products, which would, would allow them to better serve their clients. So that is to suggest that I'm not even allowed to do the things I want to do because it's just not the way my firm does it, despite the fact that I believe in the moment, moment it's objectively better to do it a different way, but I'm just not allowed to. Not because of regulation or law, just because of selling agreements and things like that. Okay, so that's rough. It is rough. Number three, even if I can provide the services that I want, it's simply my opinion. Yeah. Right? So th- those three elements right there tell us why a lot of advisors give different advice but then you have to look a little beyond that you have to get to the point of course where the conversation always goes is compensation right yes well is an advisor going to tell me this because they make more or less money on it here's an example you go to somebody say hey i want to save for retirement and they say okay well here's a portfolio of index funds or etfs or here's a portfolio of stocks or Maybe you should buy life insurance and we can use the cash value in that life insurance to help you save for retirement too. Now, 
The first two things are pretty similar that I mentioned. Buy a basket of stocks and buy a group of ETFs or index funds. Those are pretty similar. But when you compare them to someone telling you to buy life insurance or an annuity to try to accomplish the goal you stated, those are really different pieces of advice. Now, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Tara went to a financial advisor, said she wanted to save for a goal in the future, guessing retirement. And I'm guessing one person said, okay, here's some uh, ETFs and index funds. And the other person said, all right, buy life insurance. I bet that's what happened. Yeah. And when that happens, it doesn't make sense to you because you're thinking, how can those two things lead to the same place? Now, let's take this a little bit further. The weird thing is, especially in relation, let's get very specific, in relation to an insurance-based answer, like buy an annuity or buy life insurance, the financial advisor will make a lot more money immediately. Immediately. On the transaction. A, a lot more. But if the advisor chooses to manage someone's money and put it into what's called a fee-based account, and then over the years manage that money for them, the advisor will make more money in aggregate by doing the opposite solution. Oh. Right? And so, so at that point, you hear that and you're like, well... This person makes more money quickly, but this person makes a lot more money over time. So can I actually judge this based on who makes what? And I would argue, no, you can't. <laughs> and then there's this factor. Uh, can, we, can I make a little of a ball sports analogy here? Sure, a little, football. a little football? Do you watch the football? Not really. Okay, well, let me help you out here. Thank you. Let's say you're watching football. Yeah. There's quarterbacks on the team, and he, yep. he loves throwing it to one guy. He does. He loves throwing it to that guy all the time. Because he's gotten good results by throwing it to that guy. Mm -hmm. But what happens is if he keeps throwing it to the guy, eventually something's going to go horribly wrong because everyone knows he throws it to that guy. Right. So he could lose uh, the ball. He could lose the game. He could lose a season because he keeps going back to this well, which was once good to him, but he's become myopic, and all he can do is think about that. Wow. Financial advisors are the same. <laughs> Financial advisors tend to gravitate towards one way of doing things. And so when you go and talk to them, sure, they could hypothetically offer whatever option you want. But because of the economies of scale and people, how they run their businesses, it's likely they're going to just choose one of these paths for you. So when you're talking to them about your money and they're hypothetically you're trying to sell you on the concept that they could help you on it, what your job really becomes isn't who you vibe with. Mm -mm. It's whose path actually seems realistic for you. Because if you talk to a financial advisor and they sort of pitch you on their services, what can happen very quickly is they can describe a scenario that is just not realistic based on the money you're putting in or um, the behavior and discipline it takes to pull it off. And so here's my final recommendation to not only Tara, what I wrote about in my USA Today column, but to anyone listening that has been in this scenario. Talk to your friends and family and see of the path sort of presented to you by your financial advisor Talk about these paths with your different friends and family and see who's gone down what path. And based on how far they are down that path, how satisfied they are that they made that choice. That can help you better determine what to do. Now, I'm not saying go to the advisor and ask for referrals to their old clients. I'm saying talk to your friends and family so you can get unfiltered guidance. Coming up after the break, I'm going to see if I can get a special guest on the phone. We'll do that next. I'm Pete the Planner. Hi, I'm internet podcaster, Peter Dunn. You may know me as Pete the Planner. You hear me on the radio, 
and on your podcasting device. But did you know you can also see me on YouTube? That's right. We have a YouTube channel and we call it PeteThePlanner.tv. We ask you to subscribe so you can catch great shows like Pete's Eats and this here podcast with drawings. But the drawings are made with a video camera. Subscribe today. In like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of all player. Not from the Himalayas. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Answering your money questions. Uh, I did want to do, I know, again, if you're listening on radio, this is the last show of the year for us. If you're listening on the podcast, this first part of what we're talking about will be irrelevant because it's already 2019. But we're going to talk about things you should do right now before the end of the year, like like really things you should do with dollars, actual dollar amounts, um, and then what changes are coming for 2019 in terms of contribution limits, all that. To do that, we talked to uh, our good friend, Damien, Damien Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. What's your title? You have a new title now. What's your new title? Director of Personal Financial Strategies? Yeah, I think that's what we settled on. At your money line. Congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. Anyway, okay, so uh, Damien, what do people need to do? They've got a few days left, and I'll just say this. I am making my HSA contribution, like, like after we get off the call here for the year. I think the limit's like $6,900 this year, um, and so I'm putting, I've not made contributions to my HSA yet, I'm putting $6,900 in it, and I'm doing it when we get off the show. Sounds about right. Now, HSA contributions are a little different. You do have a little bit of an extended time period that you can get those deposited for 2018, much like IRA contributions. Yeah, that's the thing. You got till tax time, and tax time is uh, for 2019 is April 17th. But you know what? I like to, frankly, I'd like to just get it out of the way. I just do. I completely agree. Uh, human nature says that if, if you've got money just kind of sitting there waiting to have something done with it, um, you're going to find something to do with it and hopefully use it correctly and put it towards a, an IRA or an HSA or something like that. But, you know, life happens and, and uh, we like shiny things and we go out and buy stuff. So let's cap off a few or top off a few different things. So we need to top off an HSA if you're able to put money into that. So that's a good thing. You mentioned IRAs as well. Um, uh, talk to us about that. What, what are the limits in 2018 that people can cap off? Uh, 2018 uh, was the last year that we've had the, the the deduction, sorry, the deduction, the cap of $5,500. Okay. That hasn't been changed since 2013. Going into next year, that goes up by about 500 bucks. So we, we've got a little little help we can give ourselves starting next year. But this year, 5500 bucks. If you're 50 and older, we have a catch-up provision you can access. And that's an extra $1,000 in 2018 and 2019. So that's not going to change. Okay, so that is to say uh, if you're 50 or older, which is a lot of our radio audience, if we're just being honest, uh, you can put $6,500 away in 2018. Uh, does that mean they're going to be put $7,000 away in 2019? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. All right, so if you can contribute to that. And, and do you have a preference? I, I, this is a loaded question. I already know the answer. I'm just asking it anyway. Do you have a preference if someone's trying to do something at the last second, whether they do a traditional or a Roth? I know it depends, but go ahead and answer it. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends. No. But um, my, my, I know, it's shocking. What? My, my concern is more of how much you're saving rather than what you're saving it. 
Uh, I would much rather see you uh, have uh, uh, $6,500 or $7,000 next year uh, that you can save and then put it where you want. If, if you think you're going to have more advantage by putting it into a Roth vehicle, then, then by all means do it. Uh, you just want to do traditional. That's fine, too. I'm just worried about you saving the money. Can people still uh, uh, top off their retirement plan at work during this uh, last few days of 2018? Uh, they may have to talk to HR about how to go about doing that, uh, see if they can get some, some last-minute changes to their deferral. Uh, I'm not saying it's in, uh, that it's impossible. It might be a little bit difficult, though. Yeah, because the thing is, unless you have a payroll being run, you know, like the 26th, 27th, or 28th, I don't think you probably could, right? Yeah, and it's not something that you could just cut a check and give it to uh, you know the company to deposit on your behalf. It has to come out of the payroll. But I guess what you could do is if, if you've got the bandwidth for it is go in if you do have a payroll on the 26th, 27th, or 28th and just totally crank up your percentage contribution to really flow money in there for the tax advantage. Yeah, you absolutely could. Uh, again, that's uh, going to be how <laughs> how swamped HR is and if they're willing to, to let you try and get away with that. But, use uh, the website yeah, too. You, you, it's 2019, 2018. They could always use the website too, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I you know, make sure that the the changes are taking effect uh, before your next payroll, obviously. But yeah, they could probably do that. Five twenty nines need to be funded by December thirty first. So if you want to put money in a college savings plan, putting money there, and depending on what state you live on, that matters uh, from a tax advantage standpoint, right? Absolutely. Uh, there are a number of states that offer state income tax benefits for 529 contributions. The catch is, is that you have to make that 529 contribution to your state's plan. You can't live in Indiana and make a contribution to Ohio's 529 plan. But actually, you can do that. But you won't be able to take advantage of the Indiana state tax credit in that case. You know, I obviously am a, well, I shouldn't say obviously, I am a proponent of 529 college savings plans. But man, there's a lot of weird little confusing things about the different states and the different tax credits. And I get why it's that way, but man, I wish it was simplified. It would clear up a lot of questions that, very frankly, you get to answer on a regular basis. Yeah, there's, you know, it's not every state that offers uh, some kind of tax benefit. Um, so you've got to find out A, does your state offer that benefit? Uh, what does it mean for you, uh, and, and all sorts of good stuff. So there's there's some confusion there, and if it was a little bit more streamlined, that'd be great. But uh, some states offer tax credits, some states offer tax deductions, and of course the amount that they, they use to qualify all that is completely different from state to state. It's, uh, it's kind of a mess. Joined by Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. I like that title, buddy. I'm going to tell you. I, it was good. It's a good one. It's good. Um, Retirement plans at work in 2019. Uh, this year, I believe, it was 18,500 was the max. Uh, if you're 49 or younger, and uh, well, what's it, what is it next year? Nineteen thousand dollars goes oh. up by 500 bucks. Can I complain for a second? Please. It's never stopped me whether I ask or not, though. Um, and I know this isn't your fault, and I'm not shooting the messenger. Man, what a what a dumb increase. Well, I mean, why can't it be any more than that? I, I don't know. Uh, you're 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 not talking to a legislator. You're just talking to a, a a guy who gets to try and help others. Now, look, I know it's more complicated than to say if they really wanted us to save for retirement, they'd let us save more. Like, 
I actually I probably said that phrase if I'm being honest. But the other side of that is they need the tax revenue. So they, it's not like they can carve out all that tax revenue just so people can save for retirement, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And if we wanted to start getting real cynical, it, it's going to be uh, the people who are maxing out uh, their their retirement plans at work are probably in a higher tax bracket. So that $500 has a, a bigger meaning to the government than uh, the $500 from somebody who's, who's scraping by making $35,000 a year. That's expertly cynical. Good job. Thanks. If you're making 50 or older, or if you're making 50 or older, if you're 50 and older, what, what's, uh, what can you put in next year? Uh, it stays the same at $6,000. That is not, uh, that catch-up provision isn't tied to any kind of inflation uh, booster or anything like that. So uh, the government decides when that goes up basically whenever they want to. There, there's no guide that they have to follow to, to increase that rate. So that means you can put the 19000 in that the 49-year-olds and younger can put in, but then you also get that $6,000 catch-up provision. So you can put a total of $25,000 in too. But, Damien, something tells me this tax season might be a little trickier because of the way taxes are calculated. I, I'm guessing you're encouraging people to, uh, well... I assume talk to their tax advisor sooner rather than later once the new year turns. Yeah, start getting organized early this year. Um, and if you can do any kind of tax planning here in the next couple of days, that's a great time to do it. If your CPA or your tax preparer has some, some office time, uh, you might might want to give them a call and, and see if they can, they can tell you about where you're going to be. Because with the increase in standard deduction this year, a, a number of people who have itemized in the past uh, may not need to this coming year. So it's it's going to be an interesting year to see how things shake out the percentage of people that uh, end up filing standard deductions in, uh, for 2018 versus uh, itemizing. I think we're going to see a huge shift in that. You always seem like you know what you're talking about. Thanks, Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. Thanks, Pete. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show. And I, I am Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted, find myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Back on Running with the Pete Gale Show. Biggest waste of money of the week coming up in the second verse. The sweet goodbye. Nicole, producer Nicole, last show. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. What is the one thing you learned about money from the show as you move on with your career? The one, well, I don't know. I guess I've learned a lot, like more than I ever really anticipated to. But I think the thing that I feel the most confident about is knowing how to properly save for retirement one day. Look at you. So young, so wise. Best of luck. We'll keep up with you. Um, yeah. There you go. The, the listeners will miss you, as will I. <laughs> uh, all right. This week's biggest waste of money week. I have two. Nicole has one. This is how we do it. Nicole, do you want my flame emoji one first, or do you want my sort of whimsical one first? Give me the whimsical one. 
All right, this week's biggest waste of money of the week is the marshmallow crossbow. I wanted to say marshmallow, but it really is marshmallow. It, it really is. What do you say? I say marshmallow. Me too. Birds of a feather. Forget Nerf guns. <laughs> the best intra-office battles are staged with ammo you can eat. The marshmallow crossbow is designed to sling the sugar-based pellets up to 60 feet through the air. It's handmade from 99% natural materials. Yeah, because that other 1%, we want to make sure that it's man-made. Uh, uh, and works best with slightly dry marshmallows. Pro tip, add a bit of cornstarch to fresher marshmallows to improve their flight and mark your target. So, Nicole, this looks to be made of birch and things. Ooh. And it can throw marshmallows 60 feet. And it costs $85. What? $85 to create an HR nightmare because you're throwing yeah. projectiles in the air. Yep. It is an OSHA nightmare because yeah. you, you like the days till a marshmallow in the eye incident marker is not going to get very high. Uh-uh. And frankly, isn't it more fun and aggressive and cathartic to just wing a marshmallow at someone's head with your yes. own arm? Yeah, no. I mean, let's say you've got, uh, you're, you're suffering from maybe the inability to, to use your arm and you do need a device to help pummel your coworker. But I, I think really the whole point of hitting your coworker in the face is that you personally get to take out the aggression with throw, right? Right. Like if I wanted to hit chat force in the face, like yeah. I would want it to come directly from me. From your hand. I don't, but if I did. No, I totally understand wanting to hit him in the face. <laughs> with candy $85 seems like a complete waste I mean seriously that's a we we talk about wasting money a lot on the show $85 to not have the satisfaction of hitting your coworker in the face with confections just it's a tremendous waste of money I agree what's your biggest waste of money of the week mine is the symbol audio modern record player okay taking design cues from Rams classic Braun SK 55 the modern record player marries the groundbreaking aesthetic with cutting-edge technology. The Jet Black Table features a custom-built AB amp that powers custom-engineered integrated speakers and crossover developed in collaboration with Morel, makers of some of the loudest speakers on Earth. <laughs> this, uh, the transition from analog to digital is seamless thanks to the Bluetooth and, wi and Wi-Fi connectivity with the option to add streaming devices uh, like so what? Uh, while a concealed compartment is built in to stow wireless components and minimize the appearance of cords and cables. Let me guess. $1,200. $3,200. Okay, so... You like, okay, can I... So please. recently, Z-Bob and I yes. got into, you know, vinyl. Sure. And I want to say for our entire setup of our record player hmm. and two speakers, we maybe spent... $125. See, yeah, that's not granted, bad. Granted, we bought some stuff off Craigslist. Yeah. But so still, you, you mean you risked your life. Right. We risked our lives, but worth it. And $3,200? Like, seriously? That seems like a bit much. That's a bit much. It's aggressive. I don't really care about AV stuff that much. Like, look, when you go into like a, an AV store and you see like a TV that's like 9K or I don't even know what any of these things are. And it's remarkable. It's like George Clooney is in the room with you. But then you realize if you take that home and it feels like George Clooney is in the room with you, Mrs. Planner would not pay attention to me. No, you'd right. be donezo. I, right. I need a grainy Clooney to have a shot at kinship. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. The other biggest waste of money of the week. And you know what? Nicole, 
sometimes I find my inspiration from, well, my kids. And my daughter this week had, my nine-year-old daughter had to write an essay. Um, Wait, uh, I love where this is going. She had to write an an essay, and I forget the words, but basically to influence someone. What's that called? A, uh, Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. A persuasive argument. She had yes. to write a persuasive argument. A persuasive essay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do today is on the uh, biggest way someone of the week. I'm going to read to you my daughter Olivia Dunn, yes. Ollie Dunn's persuasive persuasive essay entitled, so and I'm only reading the first couple of paragraphs. It's called "Post-it Notes Should Not Be Made." Yes, here we go. By Olivia Dunn. Buckle up, everyone. Fifty million. That's how many post-it notes are made each year. Every time they are made, forest animals are going to die. (laughs) What's the big deal about a tiny piece of paper? Kids love to play and make things out of them. You can just jot things down on them, so it's super easy. But post-it notes may not seem to be what they are. Post-it notes have a dark side. They take down trees, damage things you put them on, and they are not completely recyclable. For these reasons, I believe post-it notes should not be made. As far as I'm concerned, post-it notes aren't that good. Don't believe it? Just listen to the facts. First of all, post-it notes damage things you put them on. You may think they're a great bookmark, but they are predators to books. The sticky part on the back of the post-it note is called the adhesive part of the sticky note. The adhesive leaves marks on things. Ladies and gentlemen, Ollie Dunn. We are so screwed for one day. When she, when she rules the earth. Yes. The, my favorite lines from... Uh, so anyway, post-it notes are a big waste of money, according to my daughter. You know, you, you think about this for a second. She's got a reasonable point. Post-it notes are a pretty big waste of money and resources. I don't care too much about forest animals, but... But they are, it's like, why not use like a whiteboard or a a digital note on your computer? It seems pretty wasteful to have all these post-it notes. Don't you think? No, I love post-its. You and your coworker, Erica, always has post-it notes. They're the best. Because if I need, it's like right there. I can jot it down, stick it in my planner. And then as soon as it's done, I just toss it into the trash. I'm going to ask you something and I want you to answer honestly. All right. Did you not know they have a dark side? I did not know they had a dark side. My favorite part of Ollie's That's essay. My, it's so good. <laughs> post-it notes have a dark side. And I also like, as far as I'm concerned, post-it notes aren't that good. <laughs> and I also like, you may think they're a great bookmark, bookmark, but they are predators to books. Well, my favorite part is, is I want to know before and after her assignment, was she really a fan of post-it notes or did we just really dial this in for yeah you know this does seem a little bit like manufactured anger right like it's aggressive like she's got it out for post-it notes uh i can't wait to see what she gets on this but anyway um well everybody this is the last show of the year i want to wish you a happy holidays hope you had a good year i feel like we learned a lot together if uh we got some interesting things on, on tap for you early next year um I don't want to tip my hand, but we got some really interesting things coming up on the show. Also with your money line in general. So go to PeteThePlanner.com if you have any personal finance questions. We'd be glad to help you. If you want uh, to have your financial questions and problems solved in the workplace as an employee benefit, as always, go to YourMoneyLine.com. Read my column in the Indy Star or USA Today or whatever paper you happen to get that's in there. 
Uh, and of course, listen to the podcast. Just go wherever you get your podcast. Search Pete the Planner. Nicole, I'm thinking about bringing like a daily update or something like my friend did to like Alexa and smart devices. Ooh. It's a whole thing. But anyway. So that's it, Nicole. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Best of luck on uh, the next stage of your career. Thanks. We will follow you on the socials. Please follow me on the socials. And I'll talk to you, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. All right. So that's it, everybody. Uh, Happy holidays. Hope you have a good year. Be safe out there. Don't buy a bunch of junk and just store it in storage units as a continuation from last week because I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes, well, it's all that's in my budget. I'm Pete the Planner. And this is my show. This is where I came from. Planet Love Tribe, where we drop love bombs, funk missiles, and live in soul shelters. This is for information purposes only. Not the scissors, financial planning the flights. Consult a financial divisor. Gave me to my earth family and told me to create, and so I am. Pin in my hand, microphone on the stand, over vinyl, I command and demand. Magnificence in an instance, I can make you dance, cry, or love, fly as a dove, released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T., word to John Tesh, let me bless this harmonic presentation, it's amazing, so amazing, I'm the reason, uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings, from a far away land, I am the soul controller, put the remote down and let me take control, you're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself, Love Tron can restore your health. I bring you greetings, uh, salutations. How you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home. Filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole. Event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a far away land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?